0: Welcome to Highlands Church Audio Sermons. Today, June 19th, 2022, we continue our series called Romans, Gospel for All Time. Today's sermon, Preach the Gospel, will be taught to us by Pastor Bob Wade out of Romans chapter 10, verses 14 through 21. But first, here's a quick recap of last week's sermon. How do we know if we are among the few that have ears to hear? By simply responding to the call. The assurance of this certain call, this chosen call, is from the Holy Spirit, not from me. If we listen with our spiritual ears and respond to the invitation, there will be fear and trembling in our souls as we recognize that it was God's work in us that has caused us to come forward, to proclaim him. Coming to God for salvation is simply a believing in Christ a wholehearted belief expressed by calling on the Lord or confessing the Lord with the entirety of one's being. You see, God invites all to come to him in this way, no matter what culture or religion or race you come from. And he calls with kindness, a kindness which will lead us to repentance Open
1: your Bibles up to Romans chapter 10. You know, we are 10 months into our study in the book of Romans. We have about six chapters uh, of the book left. Uh, You might ask, you know, why is the book so long? And really, it's because you know Paul is trying to be incredibly thorough when he talks about all the different issues. He starts off talking about you know sin, and he and he talks about salvation. He'll talk about sanctification. You know, he talks about sovereignty, and there's so much more to go through all of that. And this morning, as we're in chapter ten, Paul's really going to talk, and in in this case, he's specifically going to challenge really the Jewish Christians that are in Rome but really all of us to have a a sense of sort of embrace and love for the gospel going out to all people because we have a tendency I don't know if you've caught this or not but we like everybody to be exactly like us you ever notice that we want everybody to walk the same path we walk we want them to come to faith exactly the same way to have the same background and yet that is that is not the way it works is not the way our world works. Now, just to set the context here, let me sort of give you a fictional discussion that takes place in heaven. Follow along with me for a second. When Jesus returned to heaven after his death and burial and resurrection, the angel Gabriel asked him, Lord, do the people on earth know how much you love them and how much you suffered for them? and what you're doing for them right now and what you have planned for them in the future? No, not yet. Only a few in Judea and Israel do at this point, Jesus said. Gabriel was a little perplexed by this, and he says, how are you going to tell everyone? Jesus' response is, well, I've asked Peter and James and John and some others to tell the story until everyone everywhere is heard. Gabriel, knowing the poor effort that mankind tends to put into things that don't directly benefit themselves or their families, said, Lord, what if Peter and James and John grow tired? What if people after them simply stop telling the story? Or what if people 20 centuries from now don't seem to sense the same urgency? Have you any other plans? Jesus answered, said, Nope. That's the plan. Now, the dialogue obviously is fictional, but the truth is real. God's plan is that his people would tell his story. You can't get away from that. In fact, let me show you something. Keep your finger here in Romans, and I want you to turn over to John chapter 17. John chapter 17. Now, let me set this up while you're turning over to that. John chapters 13 through 17 is something that's typically called the upper room discourse. It's where Jesus, if you remember, goes to eat the Passover meal with his disciples just before, you know, obviously he, at the end of that he goes off and they go to the Mount of Olives and at the Mount of Olives he gets arrested and then of course his arrest leads to his crucifixion. So while he's in this upper room, he begins to talk. And and by the way, the the, the theology obviously is incredible and, and it's amazing. And in this whole thing, he ends that section in John 17 with something that's called the high priestly prayer. Listen to Jesus's prayer for us. Verse 18, he says, as you sent me into the world so I have sent them into the world, and for their sake I consecrate myself that they may also be sanctified in truth. Verse 20, I do not ask for these only, okay, now I just want to get get to us, but also for those who will believe in me through their word. You catch that? God's plan from the very beginning is that his followers would tell his story I gotta be honest with you. I'll show you how really fallen and broken I am as a human. I'm not sure that would have been the best thing. I think it would have been really cool if at nighttime you'd have this really dark night and just like the writing is on the, up there, every night across the sky it would just say, this day produced and directed by God. I think my neighbors would probably come to the Lord. This is my feeling. But the truth of the matter is, is what God said is, look, the most valuable possession I have are those people that I sent my son to die for I'm gonna take my most valuable story and give it to them. That's us. You don't realize what that means? That means that the gospel is a spiritual assignment, not an option. This is our assignment. You know, 50 years ago, there was a Presbyterian pastor in Florida who became concerned about his people's spiritual growth within the church, a huge church, well over like 10,000 people, but he started looking at his his people and it seemed like the people in their church were were growing cold, seemingly losing their their vision for reaching their neighbors and their friends and, and, and reaching the world. And so he began a program called Evangelism Explosion and they trained thousands of people within their church. And it was interesting because even with the training, the people in the church mostly found it very difficult to go out and to share their faith. In fact, only 10 to 15% of the people within you know, Coral Ridge Presbyterian Church actually went out, knocked on a door, and shared their faith with somebody. But when you stopped and you looked at the people that literally just embraced the gospel message and looked for opportunities to share that the Lord brought their way. They weren't knocking on doors at this point, but they were watching for God to open up doors. The numbers went through the roof. You know, some people... And, and you, you know people like this. Some people just have that gift of evangelism. I mean, they can, I don't care where you're at, you could be at a restaurant, you could be, you know, uh, waiting for a cow, whatever the case may be. And, and they just share with anybody. They talk with everybody and they share with everybody and that's great. And yet the likelihood is, is that most people would say, that's not me. I'm afraid of being rejected. I'm afraid of of this. I don't know if I would stumble over my words. I get nervous in confrontation. I mean, all these different things. And so many of us are afraid. And I'm not here to lay a guilt trip on you. I want to be really clear about this. But what I am here to challenge you with is the passage we're going to look at is really going to challenge us to embrace the gospel message. And I take that to mean sharing when the Lord opens up doors. The gospel is not a confrontational battle. The gospel is not I'm right and you're wrong or I'm good and you're bad. The gospel is simply that Jesus went to the cross, he died for our sins, he rose from the grave, all to bring peace between us and the Father. Man, if that's not good news, I don't know what is. Last week we ended our study in Romans chapter 10 with verse 13, it says, whoever will call on the name of the Lord will be saved. That whoever there is anyone that's Jewish or Gentile, which basically means everyone. Everyone. I mean, if you're a Christian, you did that. You called on the name of the Lord. Do you realize what that means that we have in common? That somewhere along the line, each one of us all of a sudden realize that we are sinners saved by Grace and that someone stepped up and told us the gospel story to the point that you and I could respond. That, that's pretty amazing. The result is, is that you and I have become Christ followers. Our sins, past, present, and future, have been forgiven. We've been justified by faith. We've been glorified in heaven. God has placed His Holy Spirit inside of us to help us to navigate this life right now. But there's one more thing here something really significant that we cannot forget about, and that is that Jesus left something with us His story. The gospel story. And the truth is, the ownership of that story matters spiritually for us. It matters that we embrace that story and and become fluent with the story and be able to share that story. Again, you may not be comfortable with leading with it, but we at least need to be at a spot where if God opens the door, can we articulate the story well enough that someone could respond? This is what we need to be committed to The gospel is God's most valuable truth and he has left it in the possession of his most valuable asset, us. And you say, well, how are we his most valuable asset? He sent his son to die for us. You're valuable. But you're not the only one that's valuable. The question is, how committed to the story are we? Now, Back in Romans chapter 10, the first thing that he's going to do here is he's going to take verses 14 and 15, and he's going to talk about the necessity of preaching the gospel. Follow along. Let me read 14 and 15. He says, how then will they call on him whom they have not believed? And how are they to believe in him whom they have never heard? And how are they to hear without someone preaching? And how, will they, and how are they to preach unless they are sent? So what he's going to do here is he's going to talk about the necessity of the gospel. But even before he gets into that, if you were to go to the last thing that we talked about last week in verse 13, Paul tells us that calling on the name of the Lord is how we're saved. But in verse 14 now, he's going to make it clear here that you cannot call on the name of the Lord without belief. That's not a new thing. He said that very same truth back in verses 9 and 10 that we talked about a couple of weeks ago. Calling on the name of the Lord in the Old Testament was literally a metaphor for stopping and worshiping the Lord. And that is exactly what happens. I remember, you know, when I was 14 years old, I was at Hume Lake Christian Camp. Ken Poor got up to speak. He gave the gospel message, sitting in a room of about 400 high school kids. I got up and went forward. My heart was racing. I did not get up and go forward and go, can I have fire insurance? I went up and I went forward and I said, because I believe that Jesus is died for me. I believe the the Father sent the Son for me. That's worship, that's the recognition that I cannot get there on my own, that I'm not good enough on my own, that I needed God to do something. That's calling on the name of the Lord. Now Paul here in verses 14 and 15 actually breaks this down, it's almost poetic the way he does this. He's gonna give us four truths here regarding the Gospel. Go back to verse 14 and look at the very first thing he says here. He says, how then will they call upon him in whom they have not believed? So the first truth of this is that calling requires faith. Belief. You know, Paul's told this, this before. I mean, if you were to look at the beginning of Romans chapter one, verse 16, he says, for I'm not ashamed of the gospel. It is the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes. If you went to the beginning of the gospel of John, you know, in John chapter one, verse 12, he says, but to all who received him, who believed in his name, he gave them the right to become children of God. So calling requires faith. It requires belief. The second thing he tells us here in verse 14, he says, and then how are they to believe in whom they've not heard? So faith requires hearing. This is what drives missions, by the way. This is why people are willing to leave like this country and to go someplace else and to share the gospel because it's a belief that you know God is requiring us to take this message, his story out so that people could hear. People have to hear or read or or understand the content to be saved. That means that those of us that understand the gospel need to be able to share it with those that don't. Go back to verse 14 again. It gives the third one here. It says, and how are they to hear without someone preaching? So the third truth here is that hearing requires preaching or sharing. Now this is particularly important in the first century because really the media methods were pretty simple you either had somebody writing it you know on parchment you know by hand or someone speaking now today we have much more i mean today you could scour the internet and there's you know lots of different places you can go to where people share the gospel you certainly have radio being you know beamed into places all over the world you have tv but still the most commonly you know the common way that the gospel is shared is human to human it's people just telling the story. You know, you can't hear the gospel message by simply going out and going, I just think I just need to go to the mountains and and go sit on a big rock and just contemplate life. You can go to the mountains and and look at the plants and the universe and nature and you can see design, but design does not mean you'll understand the gospel message. The fourth thing he says here is in verse 15. He says, how are they to preach unless they are sent? So the fourth truth here is is that preaching requires sending. And the truth is God has been sending people with the gospel message around the world since the beginning of the church. You know, in Acts chapter 1 there's a great story about Jesus, just as he's preparing to leave, you know, he, he's, he, he went to the cross, he came out of the grave, he walked around, showed himself to people, talked, preached the whole bit, but now he's ready to go up, he's going to go up into the clouds and be with the Father and sit at the right hand of the Father. And so in John chapter 1, you know, verse 8, he leaves his last words with his disciples and he says this, But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you will be my witnesses. Where? In Jerusalem, in all Judea, and Samaria, and even to the ends of the earth. God's plan is that those that trust in Him would simply take the message and tell other people the story. Do you realize that that's been going on for a long time? You know, just because you're not aware of the fact that God has been sending people all over the world doesn't mean it isn't happening. Thomas, who was one of Jesus' disciples, one of the apostles, the one called the doubter, most people don't know that Thomas went to Asia that Thomas went first of all to, to India and beyond that you know, to so many more different places, to, to Burma and to wherever the case, even to China in, in that case. Most people don't know that. There are lots of Indian believers. There are lots of Chinese believers. I mean if you just stop and look at like even the low estimates that there's 50 million you know, believers in China or the higher estimates that are 150 million believers, the gospel is real. You know, we have people at Highlands that, that do this even now. Dave and Jen Benner run a, a ministry called AGM and their focus is going into Vietnam and some of the countries there in Southeast Asia and they go in there specifically to help equip local churches, not to go in there and go, hey, you should be like the American church. No, we're gonna go in there and help you be the church that God wants you to be here and do discipleship. Teach, what is discipleship? What does that really mean? Grant and Christiane Walsh are in Thailand. Before they were in Thailand, they were in India. They go there, they've been church planting, doing evangelism and discipleship and, and, and really rescuing women out of the sex trade. We have a family in the church whose kids and grandkids are getting ready to head off to a Muslim nation here that's been in the news a lot lately because God is leading them there to do gospel work and they will end up planting a church that will be an underground church because God's called them to do that. Now, you may not have their burden, okay? That may not be your burden, but here's the question. If God called you to go, would you? That's really the issue. I mean, I I don't think that, that Thomas at one time was going, man, I cannot wait to go to this place where they might cut my head off. I don't think that was the case. I think what happened was is that individually as believers, when we stop and we really recognize the beauty of what God has done in our own lives with its gospel message, and then all of a sudden we, we 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 present ourselves to the Lord God. What is it you want from me? If God tells me to go, is there a sense that I would just go whatever you want? I'll do whatever you want, God. Go back to verse 15. The second part of verse 15 here is actually kind of an unusual statement. He says, And how are they to preach unless they are sent, as it is written? How beautiful are the feet of those who preach the good news. how beautiful are the feet of those who preach the good news now where that comes from is Isaiah 52 and it's a celebration there uh, of God coming and delivering his people from bondage in Babylon and in Assyria but what it reminds us is is how beautiful the message is and how beautiful the hearts of the people must be to sacrifice and to travel and do all that to bring this beautiful message to me that's what the idea is here Now when you get to verses 16 to 21, the message is gonna change a little bit because now he's gonna tell us that not everyone will embrace the gospel message. Look what he says in verse 16. He says, but they have not all obeyed the gospel for Isaiah says, Lord, who has believed what he has heard from us? So in here he starts off with a contrast, the word but, now, now something isn't beautiful. It was that the feet of those bringing the gospel was beautiful, but now it's not. Why? Well, in this particular case, Israel had rejected the prophets. Now, the reason why I would say it was Israel rejecting the prophets is because, in, it's, first of all, it's written in Isaiah 53, which is something that Jewish believers would have known carefully or, excuse me, any Jew would have known in that case, and the Gentiles wouldn't have known. Verse 17 very famous verse here he says so faith comes from hearing and hearing through the word of christ so the only way he says that people can believe is by hearing the word of christ the word of christ would be what jesus has done his death burial, and resurrection now what that tells me is that faith only comes through hearing the gospel message Again, you're not gonna find that in nature. You're not gonna hear about the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus, or the peace that comes between us and the Father by looking at trees and mountains. You're not gonna find that. It doesn't come by our works. It doesn't come by acts of obedience like circumcision. It doesn't come by keeping the law. It doesn't come by, by our lineage, by, you know, just because I had someone else that walked with the Lord, you know, maybe in my past. It only happens through the Gospel. That's one of the reasons why as a church we're committed to teaching through God's word. We're not going to go off and do well. We're going to talk, you know, and and do uh, five weeks on how to be a happy family. That may pop up at certain places in the scriptures and we'll take time to make sure we hit on that. But the truth is, is God's word is the thing that moves our hearts, Now this is where it's gonna get a little bit dicey here because in verse 17 he says faith comes by hearing but then you look at verse 18 and Paul says here, have they heard? You go to verse 19, he says, did they understand? Did they understand what? Did they hear what? That the Gentiles were gonna be called into this family of faith. I mean they should have. I mean, they, they grow up going to school and, and studying, scouring through you know, the Old Testament and, and really majoring on the whole thing, so they should have known you know, the, the Psalms that David was saying they're coming in, or they should have known that, that Moses, who would be the chief prophet, they should have known that Moses is saying they're coming. But Paul quotes here in Deuteronomy 32, 21, I will make you jealous of those who are not a nation. He's talking about the Gentiles. See, the issue here is the Jews had the prophets and they had the promises and the gospel even went to them first and I'll be honest with you, this became a pride issue. This was simply an arrogance issue, a pride issue that the Gentiles do not have what we have and so they need to clean up their acts before they get to come. Before you would make a judgment about them, let me encourage you, we're not any better. We do the exact same thing. Somebody comes in and they're from a different nationality and maybe their English is sort of broken or they don't speak English at all. Well, they really kind of need to get their their act together and, and do this before they can really come in and be a part of God's church. No, they don't well, that person, you know, they they committed a crime and they actually had to go to jail and so, you know, they need to be in another place. Wait, who made you judge and jury over that? Well, they voted differently. (laughs) They're gonna go to hell. (laughs) We need to be really careful that we We can judge with the best of them. God's inclusion of the Gentiles created a jealousy within them. You know, it's so interesting. Remember the parable of the prodigal son? The parable of the prodigal son is the prodigal son had kind of had enough and he just decided he was gonna go out and do his own thing and so he leaves and he goes and he just lives this crazy you know, life and, 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 but then his life begins to fall apart and he stops and he decides, you know what, I need to go home because even the servants in my father's home are treated better than this so he heads home but when he does, he has an older brother who's never left and followed every single rule there but when he, when he gets home, his father sees him from a distance and literally doesn't stand there and go, okay, let's hear his story. But the picture is such a beautiful picture. The father sees him from a distance and runs and embraces him. He says, You know, my son who was dead is alive. Kill the fatted calf. The biggest one we got, kill it and let's cook it all up and, and bring that ring, bring that ring, that, 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 the signet that, that stands for he's part of the family and put it on his finger because my son who was dead is now alive and you know what the older brother did? Yes! No, he's going, what are you doing? I've been here the whole time, you didn't throw a party for me? You know what you realize out of the story? Let me simplify it for you. Legalism despises grace. Go back to verse 19 here. The Gentiles, he says here, are called a people of no name and a foolish nation. So for them to be forgiven and loved by God was just seemingly too much for the people of the Jewish believers there to handle. This is not new. Keep your finger here and go over to Acts chapter 13. Let me show you a little, little struggle here that takes place within the church. Acts chapter 13. The believers here, there are Paul and Barnabas, they go to the city called Antioch and they begin to share the gospel. They get invited to go into the synagogue here. Listen to what happens, starting in verse 42. It says, they went out and the people begged that these things might be told them the next Sabbath. And after the meeting in the synagogue broke up, many Jews and devout converts to Judaism followed Paul and Barnabas. So, in other words, Paul and Barnabas—they go, they go into the synagogue, they preach, and you have this large number of people following them at this point. Verse forty-four. But the next Sabbath, almost the whole city gathered to hear the word of the Lord. That's pretty cool, right? I mean, can you imagine how amazing it is for him to share the gospel and now almost the whole city comes out because they have got to hear the story of God's grace. But watch what happens. Verse 45, but when the Jews saw the crowd, they were filled with jealousy. That is exactly what the prophet said would happen. So they began to contradict the things that he was speaking and revile him. In verse 46, Paul and Barnabas speaking out boldly, saying it was necessary that the word of God be spoken to you first. Verse 47, because the Lord has commanded, I have made you a light for the Gentiles, that you may bring salvation to the ends of the world, the earth. The Jews who were so blessed by God, still blessed by God. I mean, think whatever you want, but I mean, we're talking about an incredible blessing from the hand of the Lord. We're supposed to take the message of the one God to the whole world, and they didn't. They were pretty happy with just keeping it right here. They didn't even like walking through Samaria when Jesus went and stopped and talked to the woman at the well. Again, before you judge them, how much do you like the rest of the world? How much do you feel like going to other places? This is human nature. This wasn't Judaism, this is human nature within us. But watch what happens. Verse 48 And when the Gentiles heard this, talking about the gospel message, they began rejoicing and glorifying the word of the Lord. And as many as were appointed to eternal life believed. This is good news. Go to verses 20 and 2021 20, here, Paul quotes from Isaiah, and in Isaiah 65, what he's going to do is going to give us this declaration in verses one and two, that we are not saved by being good people. We are not saved by our good works. We are not saved by doing all these things that some people think that are the religious things to do, but we're saved by the mercy of God. Listen to what he says, "I was ready to be sought by those who did not seek for me. I was ready to be found by those who did not seek me." I said, here I am, here I am to a nation that was not called by my name. I spread out my hands to all, all the days who a rebellious people who walk in a way that is not good following their own desires. That, that had to be a slap in the face to everybody that was religious. I save people. I don't ask them to become good so they can be saved. I save them so that they will be good. You know, I'm gonna ask the worship team if they'll come back and they'll, they'll join me here. I, I don't know if you notice this or not, but between verses 18, 19, and 20, and 21, do you, did you catch the, the number of testimonies that were there? In verse 18, you got the testimony of David from Psalms. In verse 19, you get the testimony of Moses from Deuteronomy. In verses 20 and 21, you get the testimony of Isaiah. I'm not trying to be funny, but that's the Jewish Hall of Fame. They should have known this truth. Just like we should know the truth of the gospel. Paul's point is the gospel is for everyone. No one is good enough on their own without Christ. Our role then which is what Paul hoped the Jews at that point in, in, in Rome would catch, and for us to catch today as believers in Jesus Christ, is that we are to embrace the gospel and share it with anyone, Jew, Gentile, anyone, here or around the world. And so here's my question Are you ready for that? Are you gospel literate? Do you understand the gospel message? Have you embraced the beauty of the gospel truth? Have you noticed that every single week when this comes up on there that it says Romans, gospel for all time? Because that's what it is. The gospel matters. There is no story like it. You didn't come to faith by any other truth. The gospel matters. And so in July, we're going to take four weeks. We're going to stop off for a time and we're going to talk about what is the gospel that we're supposed to take? How do we do this? How do I overcome my fears? Is there a way I can learn how to share this truth? Because it matters. Now spiritually, I want you to understand something. It is not okay for you to go, that's not for me. This is our spiritual assignment. If you're part of the family, the family story matters. I'm not asking you to knock on doors. I'm asking would you be willing to speak when God opens the door. Our task is to embrace the gospel truth to pray that God would open up doors with family and friends and coworkers, neighbors. God has left his most valuable story in the care of his most valuable possession. It makes complete sense. If God were to write the truth across the night sky, we would become so lackadaisical and care nothing about it and we would just tell our people, hey, I was gonna talk to you, but just watch tonight. No. God asks us to invest what he is completely invested in. Would you pray with me? Father, I pray that you would move in a very powerful way in our hearts to take this most beautiful story, this amazing story, the story that caused each of us to, to find you, to know you, and embrace it to the point, God, that we would be able to share it with others, even through our fears, even through our, the, the fears that we have of rejection, that we would see the beauty, the beauty, God, of, of a story that would tell us that we have been brought to the place where there is peace between us, that we have been adopted as your children, that we have new life in you. Lord, move in us, I pray, In Jesus' name, amen. I want you to know that that as we end this service, there's gonna be a group of people down here that are available just to be here to pray with you, to talk with you, to be here for you. I'm asking one thing of you, each and every single one of you, you're not, no one's off the, no one gets a freebie on this. I'm asking you, would you embrace the gospel? For some of you, what that really is gonna mean is for some of you, for the first time, this is the time you will confess that you trust that Jesus is the Lord. I'd ask you to come, pray with somebody. For others of you, most of you, you need to embrace the gospel because this needs to be the time that you would say, God, whatever it is you want. You wanna know how this starts? This week, I'm gonna invite you to, to take time every single day to get on your knees before the Lord in humility and just say, God, my promise is I'm going to get to know that gospel message really, really good, but I also want you to know I'll go anywhere you want and I'll do anything you want for you. And watch what God does with your life. You want a great adventure? Say yes to the Lord. God bless you. Have a great Father's Day.